0: You enjoy your new year. singing in the new year, how many people stayed up too late? It wasn't. wasn't oh, <laughs> somebody just yelled out. Then <laughs> really had a revelation of what they did wrong last night. I'm glad you're here, ready to start off. What a great opportunity to start off the new year in God's house, uh, ready to start off in the best way possible. And I think today actually would normally be a great opportunity for me to do a message on New Year's resolutions, but I'm not going to do that. You know why I'm not going to do that? Let me tell you about some statistics. 50% of New Year's resolutions are given up by the end of January. 98% of New Year's resolutions are not carried through right till the end of the year. Do you know that? You also know that I just made those statistics up. <laughs> and yet not one of you were surprised by them because it reflects. Every year we start off with great intentions. Every year we start off, we want to do well. We want this year to be better. We want to believe that it can be better. We want to believe that we can do better, that we can be a better person. But I want to start off by just saying to you, what did you start off to do last year that you never finished? And why didn't you finish it? What stopped you? I I know for me, uh, there was a point in my life where I kind of developed my own internal philosophy about this without even really thinking about it. And what it was, was that if I started to, at the beginning of the year to do something, and then I got to the end of the year, and it had not happened, then I just assumed that was God's fault. And I would say, well, God didn't mean for it to happen. Obviously, that was, you know, it wasn't, wasn't part of his plan for that to happen that year. And I just conveniently left myself totally out of it. And so as I started to think about why did I do that, and why do I do that, I started to realise that the reason I would do that is because when things would happen during the year that would cause me to pause, I would all of a sudden start asking God questions that would determine whether I would keep going or not. For example, well, God, this unexpected event happened. When you let me know why that happened, I will be able to continue to resume on my path of my New Year's resolution. But if you don't give me the answer, then I'm just stuck. I want to read to you a scripture this morning that is Moses giving a speech to the children of Israel. It's found right at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And it's basically Moses' last speech. It's not the last thing that he's going to say, because he's about to send the children of Israel on to the promised land, but he's not going with them. And this is what he says in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Moses was saying to the children of Israel, hey, you're about to go into a whole new season. For us, you're about to start a new year. Moses said, hey, I'm not actually going to be able to go with you. You're going to be on your own. And let me tell you how this is going to work. You're either going to live in obedience and be okay with the fact that there are secrets, or you're going to live in disobedience. What does it mean for us today? It means that we need to be okay with the fact that there will be some secrets that God has. And they belong to Him. But the things that have been revealed belong to us. So there are things that you know, things that you don't know. There are things that will be revealed to you in the future, and there are things that may not be revealed to you in the future. But whatever you do, make sure you're okay with not knowing everything as you start out this new year. See, basically, I think what happens to us during life is we accumulate a whole lot of mysteries. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you. I use uh, Evernote for taking notes on my phone. I use it. It's a great because it's cloud-based, and I can access it from multiple devices and all those kind of things. So that's what I use for taking notes. I actually started an Evernote file called Deuteronomy 29.29, 29. And so every time something happens in my life that I don't understand or that I I want an answer to, I'm going to put it on that file because there might be a chance I may never get the answer to that question this side of eternity. But I don't want the fact that I haven't got an answer to be a stumbling block for me moving on and doing what God has called me to do. Because if we don't do something with those mysteries, they paralyze us, they stop us. See, faith involves two things, one which we like and one which we don't. The part of faith we do like is when God reveals things to us. When God reveals things and reveals his word and his will, we love it. We're like, thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. But when God doesn't reveal certain things to us, we don't like that. And we're like, well, why haven't you told me? I want to know. If you would just tell me, then I would be like, we make conditions to God. But that's not faith. That's why the Apostle Paul said we live by faith and not by sight. We live by what we believe, we don't live by what we see. So, how are you going to walk this year? By what you believe in or what you see? Because I think our natural reaction is when things happen to us that we see that we don't like, I think we despair. We lose faith in people, we lose faith in processes. We lose faith in things that we thought would never let us down. Moses didn't say that the secret things are there to frustrate you or to annoy you. He just says simply, they belong to God. So there will be times in your life that absolutely make no sense whatsoever, but God knows. Now let's think about it. Who is that God? That God is the same God who sent his son as a baby that we celebrated last week to come and be born For that same baby to grow up, die on a cross, to defeat sin and death, so that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Same God is the one who has the secrets. So our faith must learn to live with unanswered questions in order for us to move forward in life. And I think if we can get a hold of this, it will actually bring peace into our life instead of confusion. And I see so many people have confusion in their life, but the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14.32. 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So god that's God's way of writing things. It's not to confuse you, but to bring peace into your life. But I think confusion just comes from when we don't understand things. We go, I'm just confused. Or as my son George says, I'm confuzzled. He's a very creative kid. But that's when we get confused, is when all of a sudden things don't make sense to us. So let's make a decision to live by faith this year. Now, the second half of what Moses says here is that whilst the secrets belong to God, there are some things that God has revealed to you and to me, and we are actually accountable for them. So our promise from God is that we can stand on the things that have been revealed. And how do we apply that in our lives this year? I think it'd be good for us to have a look at some of the things that will always be a secret. Let's get them out of the road. Let's talk about them. Because th- th- we all, we've all experienced some of these secrets and we don't like them. But let's talk about them today. Because as your pastor, I don't want things that happen to you during the year to be a stumbling block for you, achieving all that God has for you. I see so many people start off every new year with such gusto and such energy, and they're just like, yeah, I'm getting into it. This is what I'm going to do this year. And then they hit a road bump like weeks later, and all of a sudden they lose their job or, or something bad happens to a relative or so, some bad news, and they're derailed totally. They're like, I just don't understand. How could that be? I set out to do the right thing. I was trying to do the right thing, and look now what God has done to me. People almost think it's a waste of time to start the new year trying to have a bit of a different angle. So I want to talk about some of the secrets and then I want to talk about what God has actually revealed about those secrets. I think one of the biggest secrets that is revealed in the questions we ask is the why God why question. Why? Why did this bad thing happen to me? Why God? Why? Why did you allow me to be in this particular place at a particular time? Why did you allow that to happen to that particular person? I don't know. And sometimes you won't know. But I tell you what I do know. I know the promise that's revealed. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The message version says this. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. What an incredible perspective from the Word of God. So, whatever bad thing you're going through cannot be compared to the good that is about to happen. Remember, good's going to happen, it's coming. What's another secret? I think a lot of people don't make decisions or they particularly make decisions about what they're going to do for God or that they can be stumbling blocks is when they start to think about decisions that they make and things that happen and how they affect their family. How's my family, particularly their children? I think people think, well, you know, I feel really called to go on the mission field. But of course we can't go because little Johnny's allergies You know, they would never be able to handle that in Zanzibar. So obviously, you know, God must have got that wrong. They stop. Or they think, you know what? Pastor, I feel called to give generously. But you know what, I'm just I'm just not able to. I'm just not because because I want to bless my children. I want, I, want to, I want to give my kids everything that they could possibly have. I want to bless them. And I, and I don't want them to resent me because I, I didn't give them everything and I, I kind of gave too much to the church. So I don't want to do that. What, what are some of the secrets we ask about our children? What's going to happen to our children? Will they serve the Lord? Will they know Jesus? Will I have grandchildren? If I take our kids to the mission field, will they find their right partner for life? Will they be okay? Is everything going to be fine? I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what I do know. I know the promise is found from God in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children. Has God been faithful to you? Yes or no? And if he has, he will be faithful to your children. He is not going to all of a sudden stop being faithful to your children. So stop worrying about them. Stop allowing them to stop you doing what God has called you to do. What's another secret that can stop us moving forward? And, and this might sound a little bit morbid, but I really do think that a lot of people think about this death. How am I going to die? What, what, am I, what, what if is this my last year? Do I have 40 years left? Like, should I set resolutions based on this being my last year? Or have I got a whole lifetime? What, am I going to die horribly? What's going to happen to me? I don't know. I don't know. You will never know... When the time of your death is going to happen, probably apart from a millisecond before it happens. I tell you what I do know. I know that there's a promise in Second Corinthians 5:8 that says, "To be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord." I know that Paul says in Philippians 1:21, "For me to live is Christ and to die is gain." So this is what I do know. When I die, my eternity is going to be awesome. So stop worrying about dying. It's a secret. You won't find it out, but there's a promise revealed that when it happens, everything's going to be awesome. What's another secret that can stop us? The salvation of people we've been praying for. You ever think about that? People you've been praying for. I'm praying that they would just find Jesus. Maybe it's a coworker, friend, relative, neighbour, somebody. You're praying that they'd find Jesus. And you think, well, if I make a certain decision, does that mean that person won't find Jesus? Like, is it all on me? Like, I'm the one that's got to lead them. I've got to do everything I possibly can. And if I don't, it's all on me. Is everybody that you pray for going to find Jesus? I don't know. And you may never know this side of eternity. I tell you what I do know. I tell you that God saves those people who are not looking to be saved. Isaiah 65, verse 1, a prophecy about Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. And I said, Here I am, here I am. That's an incredible promise that you can stand on today of the people that you are praying for. Can I tell you, if you've got people that you're praying for who aren't even remotely interested in Jesus, the shepherd is looking out for them. The shepherd wants to have a relationship with that person. So don't stop, but don't stop doing things this year because you think it's all on you. Take that pressure off. Share the good news. Tell people about Jesus. But it's Jesus who saves, not us. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that points people to Jesus. Here's another thing that I think can really mess with our heads as we go through a year is we start worrying way too much about tomorrow. We start thinking about tomorrow. What's gonna to happen tomorrow? Maybe I should put this off till tomorrow. I was thinking about doing that, but I'm actually gonna think about it tomorrow. I think we should call it tomorrow itis. We should do something with that. There should be a syndrome. False tomorrow syndrome. I just made that up. <laughs> there should be something because we always think about tomorrow. Do you know what James says in James 4? He says, what do you know about tomorrow? How can you be so sure about your life? It is nothing more than a mist or a vapour that appears only for a little while before it disappears. What you should say is if the Lord lets us live, we will do these things. If you are living, if you are breathing, it's a good day. It's a good day to be doing something for God. It's not a good day to be putting off something. See, we always people wanna say, well, I just wanna wait until tomorrow. I just want to wait until tomorrow. Hey, people say that all the time. I want to wait until tomorrow. Now it could be something about so small as whether they're going to buy a certain colour pillow for their sofa, or it could be about whether they're going to serve God on the mission field. They'll put off everything. Can I tell you, I've seen procrastination rob more people of their future than anything else. In other words, people's own inactivity, stopping them doing what God has called them to do. Please don't let that happen to you this year. Think about all the famous people this year that have died. We've lost a lot of celebrities, quote unquote. We've lost a lot of people this year who all thought they maybe might have a tomorrow, but they never ended up having that tomorrow. Think about all this just in the last few weeks. George Michael, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds. This year, Prince, Muhammad Ali, Gene Wilder, Alan Thicke, Nancy Reagan, David Bowie, Arnold Palmer, Florence Henderson, Mrs. Brady. They all died this year. They all thought they might have it tomorrow and they never got a tomorrow. People say, what's going to happen tomorrow? Can I tell you a truth you can stand on? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's what I know. So let's stand on what I know not worry about what I don't know. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he said, "Look at the birds, I feed the birds, don't I? I care for you way more about the birds. If I'm feeding the birds, I'm going to take care of you, so stop worrying about it and get on with it." Paraphrase version. <laughs> Here's another secret that can affect our decision. I don't know if what I'm doing is making a difference. I see people start off the beginning, of the, you know what? I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to become a greeter. I'm going to serve in the kids' ministry. I'm going to serve in the tech booth. That's what I'm going to do. And then after a little while, they're like, I, I don't think they need me. I don't think I'm making a difference. Oh, I was thinking of going on a global team, but, you know, really, what difference could I make going on a, on a, on a missions trip for nine days? Really, what, what difference could I make? We ask ourselves this question Is anything I'm doing going to have a lasting value. I don't know. And you may never know. But I tell you what I do know. I know the promise that's found in 2 Corinthians 15, verse 58 and 59. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing. So if nothing that you ever do for Jesus is useless, then you should keep doing what you're doing. Keep serving. Don't look for opportunities. People say, well, am I making a difference as a greeter? Yes, you are making a difference. Are you going to find out about it until eternity? Maybe not. Are you making a difference when you go on a global team and you serve for six to nine days and you serve some people in a country in a foreign place? Are you making a difference? You may not find out. But I tell you what, the Bible says that if you're doing it for Jesus, it'll make a difference. Why? Because he's revealed it in his word to us. Here's another secret that can just totally paralyze us. You know what? I feel called to do things. I believe I can do better this year. But I don't even know if I'm maturing as a Christ follower. I don't even know if I'm growing as a Christian. I think this comes out of sometimes we scare ourselves with how poorly we progress sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, we let ourselves down because we forget that we still have a sin nature. See, coming to Christ doesn't er- eradicate our sin nature. It just allows us to understand that every day we need to come and ask for forgiveness. But we become so upset with ourselves when we, we have a sudden cynical thought or we say a word that we know we shouldn't say or, or we, we have an action that we do and we think, that was Why did I do that? Well, if I was growing as a Christ follower, I, would, I wouldn't do that. Well, can I remind you of somebody really great in the Bible called Peter? And Peter has a conversation with Jesus and says, Jesus, I would die for you. I would die for you. There is nothing I wouldn't do for you. And then moments later, people walk up to him. Do you know Jesus? He's like, Jesus who? Sorry, I don't know who you're talking about. Totally denies Jesus. You want to talk about A moment of reflection, of feeling like you haven't grown as a Christ follower, I'm sure Peter had it in that moment. See, look, we want to believe that we've left all the the bad stuff behind. And God can bring transformation into our lives. But when we're confronted with that sin every now and then, we think, wow, have I made any progress? Will I ever be the person that God has called me to be? Yeah, David. David wrestled with this question. In Psalm 19, verse 12, he said, Who can understand his own errors? This I can put myself in that verse. That, that's, a, that's something I would say for me. Because that's me. That's my life. When I do things that I shouldn't do, I think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why why did I act that certain way? That's not the way I should act. That's not the way I should think. That's not what I should have said. I don't know about you, but this is how I feel about my life and my progression as a Christian. This statement. I am not what I used to be, but I am not yet what I hope to be. I am not what I used to be, but I am not yet what I hope to be. I hope to be better. I thank the Lord for the progress that he's allowed me to make in my own life. But I believe I've got a lot more perfecting to do. Here's a promise that's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children, But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know we will be like him. See, when Jesus comes back, we will be like him. He will make us like him through the renewing of our minds. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we live with what God has kept secret by trusting what he has actually revealed. And this is what Moses was telling the children of Israel. And in the chapter before, he says to them, now if you can get okay with this concept, if you can be okay with the whole secrets and revelation part, then let me tell you what blessing will be on your life. So what are, what are those things? What, what did Moses tell The people in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's read it. Verse 1 Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This can be your 2017. If you can get okay with secrets and revelations, you will be blessed. The fruit that you produce in your life will be blessed. Whatever you put your hand to will be blessed. Wherever you put your feet, wherever you go, it will be blessed. God will bless what you've stored away. God will bless what you've invested. God will bless. He will multiply. Whatever you set your hand to, he will bless. One of the greatest tools of the enemy is getting you to stop putting your hand to anything. If he can stop you even doing something, if he can paralyze you in activity, that stops you producing any fruit. It stops you moving forward. So what is now? Now is the time to stop worrying about the secrets. It is the time to start thanking God for the promises. And it's time to start living in the blessing that he wants to pour out on your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10, Paul says this, And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. We need to finish what we already know. So what do you already know? I can tell you some things that I know that you know. You know that we need you to serve on a life team. You know that we want you to be part of a life group, lead a life group. You know that we want you to go on a global team mission trip. You know that we desire as a church to live in generosity. You know that we want you to be in church every Sunday to experience the presence of God so that you can take it with you so that it clings to you, so that it sticks on you. You know that we want to do everything we can with authenticity. You know that we want to do everything we can inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that we want to do everything we can as a unified house. Why? Because Joshua 15 says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I tell you, this house will serve the Lord in 2017. Are you excited by that? As we close, I want to give you some practical help for thinking about what you're going to do in 2017. So we think about goals. I want to give you some framework that you can use for setting some of those goals. Think about this. Which of these goals helps me become a better version of me? Which of these goals helps me make the greatest investment into other people? Which one of these goals helps me bring about the greatest kingdom returns? Thinking about kingdom. Thinking about God's plan instead of yours. Which one of these goals brings joy? And then as you set your goals, think about What worked well and why last year? What didn't work? Have some specific goals. Just one. Just one specific goal in the following areas. Family, work, health, faith, finance. Just one. Fix any broken relationships you may have. Dan Ryland says, your life is never better than the quality of your closest relationships. I love that. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Think about what things you need to let go of. What what were you hanging on from 2016 that you just didn't want to let go? Maybe you put so much into it. Maybe you just, oh, I can't let that go. I put so much into it. Maybe, look, sometimes you just got to drop it in the rubbish bin. That's a trash can. Sometimes you just got to press delete. What things can you commit to investing in yourself personally? So you have to ask this question because it's very unlikely you're going to have a great 2017 without investing in yourself. So how are you going to do that? Are you going to get a personal trainer? Are you going to get a financial advisor? Are you going to educate yourself about something? Are going to learn a musical instrument? Learn how to sing, try and get up here. That's my goal. (laughs) And finally, as you think about what you can do this year, stop thinking about what you can do this year. Think about what you can do with God. How about you start dreaming? How about you start dreaming about what's possible with God? Not dreaming about what's possible with just you because just you or me, we don't have a lot. <laughs> but with God, we can do anything. Step out of your comfort zone. Listen, ask a friend. Stop asking yourself what you think you're good at. Why don't you ask a friend? And some of you won't do it because when you ask a friend, I know when I say to people as a pastor, and I'll say, you know what, you've, you've got an incredible like, gift, you, know, you should really, oh, you're just saying that because you're my pastor. No, I'm not, I'm an Australian. If I thought you sucked, I'd tell you. This is part of our culture. You know, if you want to tell me that you can be a brain surgeon and I know there's no way you're going to pull it off, I'm going to tell you. But if I think you can do it, I'm going to encourage you. But then don't tell me that I only said it because I'm your pastor. When a friend says to you, hey, you really have an incredible talent, why don't you just take a chance and believe them? What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Because if you can dream and you can do something bigger for God, then there's an opportunity for Him to have a testimony in your life this year. See, I want you to have the best year you can possibly have. And here's how I know that you can only have the best year. You can only have it if you do everything through Jesus. If you make your whole life about Jesus, I promise you, you'll have the best year. If you do everything in Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, singing under Jesus, looking under Jesus, I promise you there'll be no way possible. You can get confused, no way, because Jesus will be your Lord and Saviour in every moment of every day. Make everything about Jesus. It's a surefire recipe for you having the best 2017 that you could possibly have. Would you stand? I have not told a lot of stories today because I wanted to share with you as much truth as I could. And I want you to take this truth and I want you to hold on to it. Hold on to truth. Could I tell you why? Because society is trying to steal truth from us. Do you know where there's such a term right now as post-truth? post-truth. You know what that post-truth means? It means that there's truth, but if you don't like it, then you don't have to accept it. If you think it doesn't apply to you, then you don't have to worry about it. Let me tell you, there's no such thing as post-truth when it comes to the fact that Jesus died on a cross. He is the only way. He is the truth and the life. There is no post-truth about that. So today, we live in the truth. Let faith rise up. In Jesus' name, let's sing it as we close the service here today.